dude. I, I could listen to that song on repeat, on repeat, on repeat, man. Cream, right? What's up, man? How you doing, man? What's up, man? I'm good. I'm good. I think that's the first Wu-Tang drop that we've had at the beginning of a session. Yeah, huh? man. You know, actually, you're right. In all the sessions and all the podcast uh, guests, this is the first to drop some Wu. So shout out to uh, Wu-Tang, some Shaolin. Yeah, they're local right here, man. We can just go find them up at the they hang out at Mesa a lot. <laughs> I l- actually, you're right, man. That's they true. do. That's the song tells a lot about who the person's going to be, right? Yeah, hey, I'm pretty excited to introduce to you who's in the studio today. Um, you know, this man has years of experience in the insurance game, but a very niche and under-recognized uh, area of need that everybody who's making income uh, needs to definitely look into and protect themselves on. So... Uh, Mr. Robert Clark, the Lloyd's wholesaler and disability specialist, man. Welcome to the studio, to the All Mindset Studio. Man, thank What's you guys for having me. Thank you, thank you, thank you, boys. CEO accredited, people's <laughs> advisor. Yeah, man. That's funny, man. We, we were, just before we hit uh, record, we were talking about, I guess, the branding and the value of social media. So, Rob, where can they find you out there? Uh, IG Clark underscore 197. Uh, Twitter is West Coast RVP at West Coast RVP. Uh, Facebook, LinkedIn, LinkedIn just under the name Robert Clark. Uh, yeah, I'm out there somewhere. That's cool, man. So, of all the ones you just named, what do you spend your time most on building your your? Brand? Probably Instagram. Instagram. Yeah, absolutely. Okay, okay. that's cool. Do you, you find are... yourself using it as a wholesaler to build, or do you find it as? I know we all use it on some level to consume, right? Um, we asked. We asked him uh, what song he listened to on the way here, right? Cena, yeah. you asked him, and, and you said, I'm not listening to this song. I was listening to Grant Cardone. Mm-hmm. And so I'm willing to bet you found him probably through one of the social media platforms similar to like how I did. I could be wrong. But are you using Instagram to build the business as a wholesaler or um, consume stuff that then helps you as a wholesaler? So for Instagram, I probably use that more for just personal consumption and kind of stories and background stuff like which that. still translate to business though right because you're consuming absolutely. things that help you in business absolutely yeah I'm kind of in a space where I've been fortunate that the people I get to work with regularly are both friends and work connections mm-hmm. so it's kind of all about building that family mentality um, I, t- I do a lot of consuming I'm not gonna lie but like I mentioned to Cena earlier it's you know I I really enjoy trying to understand perspectives around the people that I'm working with who tend to be insurance agents, insurance brokers, employee benefits producers. I, I really am naturally curious to find out what makes them tick, how I can help them, you know, struggles, opportunities, threats in their business. And so I can, I can generally find out all the relevant information on, on their social media. Um, not that I'm creeping, but it's all good, man. You're creeping a little bit. I'm super creeper. <laughs> but but here's the thing. If I ask Matt Franchina, like, your biggest struggle, your biggest threats, most common objection, like, at face value, you'll come up with some things, but they might not be what's actually holding you back or what's actually a challenge. But I can more likely figure that out by following you on social media. Now, do you find it out on social media because – we'll use me as an example, but in general – because you look at Matt Franchina and you see the stuff that Matt Franchina is talking about that are weaknesses and challenges and stuff I'm putting out there, or you can read between the lines and find it. Because social media, most people are putting out their Q1 
curated stuff to make themselves look awesome mm-hmm. all the time. Right. So, I mean, how do you how do you find that? You're reading between the lines and be like, no, this guy obviously has an issue here because he talks so highly about himself in these issues, or is it just because I talk about my problems? People don't usually talk about their issues, you know? So it, it's, it's not something where I'm going to, you know, listen to you or Cena being like, oh, man, <laughs> I, I had a terrible day. Right. And, you know, no one answered the phone or whatever right. the case is. So it's really more of, you know, it, it's funny. This is the second or third time I've met both of you, and I feel like I know you better than I know some of my friends or family. That's cool. Wow. Because you, you throw so much out there. You guys are winners in this freaking industry. Oh, and it's like sometimes it's that. Sometimes it's people are doing really well. Maybe they're hard on themselves or maybe they're doing something. I see you doing something and I can throw out like another opportunity that exists in that world that maybe you're not already aware of. Things like that. It's just like how can I kind of help people create awareness of opportunities for themselves or maybe potential challenges that they haven't uncovered yet that I can kind of shed some light on stuff like that well said man so uh, how do you get introduced to the insurance industry Uh, let's see I was in motocross sales so big motorsports guy I was uh, doing sales for a motocross company and uh, the Peterson's so I worked for Peterson International the uh, founders son who's like my parents' age. Uh, I moved four houses down from him when I was nine years old. That's cool. Uh, My older sister, four years older than me, married their youngest son. So then it became like neighbors and kind of hybrid family. Yeah, and (laughs) brother-in-law. What's up, bro? (laughs) And and like uh, six years ago, they reached out to me. They were looking to hire a sales guy. Uh, They didn't have any sales before I mean they just flipped on the phones phones would ring and then I don't know what came of it but they were kind of like you know it might be good to have kind of a face out there or reaching out to other brokers and things like that so well they picked the right guy man well you know what it it wasn't easy because the first time they reached out to me I was like god you just sit behind a desk and and you know it's kind of like no phones like no talking like we're we're an insurance company we just work (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> we like, just do things. I'm like, I can't do that. I, I went from, you know, being at motocross right. tracks and, and getting to ride some days and then mm-hmm. going out and seeing dealerships and stuff like that. So I was like, there's no way I can do it. I interviewed for them. Um, there's another connection that goes full circle. And uh, I would probably say the financial opportunity was what excited me most. Because cool. anyone in motocross sales, you're doing okay, but you're not doing great. So you're, you're considered a millennial, right? I mean, you're yeah. a millennial. Yeah. Um, how, has it been difficult uh, being a millennial uh, broker or, or wholesaler and connecting with majority an older generation that's that's been sort of running a leading industry? How's that? How's that? How's that? Has it been a challenge connecting with them? And absolutely the age gap. You know, you know, our target market for an end client when we talk about you know uh, corporate executives, white collar professionals, we're targeting people earning more than a million dollars a year up to five ten million so it's like you think about that person's financial advisor or uh, em- employee benefits producer if they're working with their company and you're dealing with a completely new dynamic right these are the 
the boomers of our industry, they've been in insurance for 30, 40 years. They've met every wholesaler, every carrier rep, and they're like, they already know more than most of the carrier reps in the business. And so you come to them in your mid-20s, and they're like, oh, great. Like, kid, I, I get it. I appreciate what you're doing, but I'm not going to learn anything new from you. And so that's been a very difficult thing to overcome. You know, what's interesting is fitting for the all, all mindset media, uh, a lot of it is that millennial's mindset. So what I've realized is if you go to an individual like that with an open mind to learn, to pick their brain, or to kind of be able to follow in their in their shadows, kind of not as an official mentor, but just like, hey, like I'm, I'm a sponge, right? I wanna know what you know. I wanna know your perspectives. I wanna know your story, how you got there. And uh, they appreciate that. And so that's what's kind of helped me build relationships with those high level uh, individuals. I've, I'm fortunate that in my local community, I've become friends with a lot of successful financial advisors and uh, insurance agents, um, especially through like gym and fitness and stuff like that. So I've been able to build really key relationships and that's kind of been able to expand into new networks. So, cool. so I got a, a question that you're probably not expecting. So he asked you if you're a millennial. Mm-hmm. And immediately there was this like smirk smile on your face. What were you thinking? Like, where is he going with this? Why is he asking me that? What was the first thought in your mind? Um, my the first thought in my mind was, wow, that's the first person that ever doubted if I was a millennial. If you had to ask, <laughs> I I mainly asked because we were talking about this in a, a prior like episode, the idea of millennials and how they're labeled and things like that. So I was wondering if being a millennial. Because he asked the question to someone who's not a millennial, what they thought of the label. So I'll ask you, since you made me think of it, what do you think of like how we as millennials are labeled as like lazy or maybe um, um, just like think in the clouds and dream of stuff but don't really work? Or I mean, it's it's pretty easy to answer that that's BS. I I am surrounded by so many young professionals that are out there getting it like I'm throwing both of you in that group as well like he wants to be a millennial but he's not I I am a millennial for my research depending on who he's talking to making sure he rides that line on a Monday he could be a millennial Tuesday there are three millennials in the studio as we speak (laughs) sorry three for three Um, yeah you know it's 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 really hard different generations are going to label other generations by certain things. Mm-hmm. You know, you, you could say as a blanket statement that so many baby, baby boomers are supposed to retire in the next 12 months, 24 months. And baby boomers, um, are maybe less than 50% ready to retire financially. Right. right? Boom. But we all know so many boomers that are killing it mm-hmm. and that, you know, maybe retired, retired 10 years yeah, ago. like part-time right. retired 10 years right. ago, you know? So uh-huh. it's like, you hear comments like that, and it, I, I don't worry about putting up that fight. I just worry about going and doing my own thing. And, and if that's the label millennials carry by whoever, then that's what it is. But the only way that so you'll, you'll, yeah, you're not going to convince someone otherwise just by talking to them. 
So, Rob, you're in a definitely in a successful grinding industry, right? I mean, we, yep. we, we, we grind to be successful. You agree with that statement? Absolutely. Um, what are your top three positive habits that you're doing every day? Uh, gym first thing in the morning. So I'm up at 4.30, and I start with uh, gym from 5 to 6. That wakes me up immediately. It gets me around. Uh, so I, I kind of went out of my way to not just go to, like, a normal gym, but, like, kind of one of the, the higher up gyms. It's, it's a little bit more intimate, I guess I would say, and there's a lot of high quality people there. So it kind of gets me going and, and connected with those people early on, first thing, uh, first part of my day. Then I'm writing goals down um, and then stealing a page out of Andy Frisella's kind of thing. I think he says the five most important parts of your day. I just stick to three. So I list down three things that I want done like that day for sure. Uh, it's goals, three things, gym, and I'm, I'm ready for a successful Can day. Can you share with us what are the three things that you set out to accomplish today? Oh, boy. Uh, successful podcast. Don't sound boring. And uh, Check. Try, Check. Try, try and get your voice as close to Matt Franchino as Check. possible. Check. That's what, that's <laughs> what we call a uh, hat all, trick right there. All, all three of them were revolving around this podcast. Yeah, that's I, it, right? hat trick. No, 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 hey, no, no, that, was, that was one. Oh, wow. He probably has nine then. On yeah. there. <laughs> no, no, no. Not at all. Um, I don't know. You want the other two? I don't know. No, no man. I'm so, so you got six years under your belt as a wholesaler, right? Yep. I work with a lot of wholesalers just being in this industry, but I don't know that a lot of that everyone really understands like what a wholesaler goes through. Right. I think that from, uh, just outside looking in mm -hmm. wholesaler has what a lot of people would look at as like the perfect job. Right. In in theory, make your own schedule, go where you want, you're always outside, you're all these things, but it's also the perfect formula for most people to probably fail. Yep. So walk us through, what's the day in the life of a wholesaler who you know is successful? What does it look like? Who's successful? It's about relationships at the end of the day. I mean, these successful wholesalers out there are um, working with other advisors, helping other advisors, and it's not just, oh, I, you know, I know John at XYZ Brokerage. It's Dude, I'm good buddies with John. I've known him for 20 years, and you know we did this, this, and this together. And like that is the top of the top, who are kind of putting the work and personal together mm -hmm. in a way that you know the, the people they're working with that's their community. And uh, kind of like you said, you know a lot of wholesalers, right? You work with a lot of wholesalers, and how many try to work with you that? In, including me that that probably don't get as much time with you as they want and that's kind of the competition mm -hmm. you right got studio time with him bro you, not a lot I, you're the first broker actually to get studio time with this guy I, that's why do you think i'm wearing so a give yourself jacket? more give yourself more credit than that man. um um no but you know you have to differentiate yourself yes we we have you know products behind us and that's kind of our ultimate resource why we're trying to connect with each other but like i have to differentiate and say you know get creative with it like how forget the products like how do i help matt franchina right and and that kind of circles back to the social media stuff like that like i want to get to know people so i can really tap in to what they're doing and mm -hmm. trying to help them whether it's is a product i rep or not like i'm trying to give advice on you know if if someone's not writing their goals and I think that could help them, I'll I'll help them with a lot of that stuff. I, I do follow Grant Cardone and Gary Vee and all these guys and 
not everybody does. So maybe something I've learned there can help someone else. So it's kind of right. like, I think being a wholesaler and looking past whatever products or carriers you represent, I think that's the key to a successful facility. Um, so I want you to go one layer deeper. And the reason why someone listening to this, not, not deeper in that, I guess wider, right? Where like, what's a day in the life? Like um, you give a day in the life and then I'll tell you kind of what I see from my perspective of a day in the life of a wholesaler. But like you wake up, you work out, you do that stuff, then you go into work mode. What's a, what's it look like a typical day? Man, it's, it's uh, usually starts with, email responses checking that's kind of like your overall tab of how crazy your day is going to be so trying to get back on immediately on on emails and and immediate things that need attention then definitely cruising uh linkedin usually i've done the other social media like earlier that morning so cruising linkedin i'll try and throw something up on linkedin um usually working on content but the first i would say two hours every morning are either uh, finding new names or trying to develop something that helps the current kind of group that I work with. So, um, and, and for those two hours, I'm usually outreaching to them, tr just trying to get in front of them for something, um, is as little as it is. I mean, it doesn't even have to be business related, but I just kind of want that my name in front mm -hmm. and getting attention. Um, like I said, so it's for sure an hour on email, maybe some LinkedIn uh, outreaches, then kind of the afternoons, that's where everyone's kind of already in their mix, getting busy. And at that point, I'm working on, you know, content, uh, either articles or potential videos or webinars that I can host and or maybe an upcoming presentation, things like that. And then you know, some random phone appointments in between right. there, usually two or three calls a day. I'm glad you went into like the work, right? I'll tell you from my perspective, what I see a wholesaler's job looks like is like five to seven happy hours and lunches a day and a lot of miles driving I mean, all I, over the I place. A lot of the guys actually that is where they're like, a lot of their focus and energy is. Yeah. yeah, it is. And I say that it looks like the perfect job to a lot of people because literally it's like a glorified schmoozer, right? I mean, I don't want to, yeah. for lack of better terms, you're meeting, maintaining relationships. Yep. A lot of times it's over food or, or treating or someone event. to something yeah. or an event so or something stuff. like that. But there's so much work behind the scenes that no one actually sees. And that's why a lot of people would fail at it. It's kind of the connection I wanted to make for others out there is like, it's not just all of this on the front and then it's like, happening 100 um, percent. you're totally right you know what's funny is like a lot of uh just because i'm in the disability space i see that a lot with group ltd carriers like they're just taking employee benefits firms out to lunch out to breakfast wine parties things like that and you know i'm i'm just like we cater to a whole different target market on the client end to where the advisors we're working with are always busy they're the last people to attend a freaking right. lunch or a right. happy hour right. so it's like forget the cute stuff like they want if if they want your help or or to meet with you they want 15 minutes maybe 30 minutes like let's get this Packages in together. done yep how the kids good see you later like that's well said, man. that's the business so, so you're regional vice president yep um how large of a region like are you states yep california County? oregon washington cool so Hawaii do you ever go visit those other states absolutely you do yeah three four times a year that's cool. Then which which is where's your favorite place then? Cali. Cali? Right here. Can't wait to get back there. Exactly. You said it's where? California, Oregon, Washington. Washington. Yep. Who has Hawaii then? <laughs> Technically I do. 
I'd be getting out there all the time, I guess. Yeah. You know, maybe it's just so laid back there that it's like, hey, we don't need disability. We got the beach. Exactly. Exactly. I, I technically have Alaska too, but I haven't gone up there. I really do want to go up there. Pretty sure I understand how budgets work for wholesalers. I would go to Hawaii and Alaska. <laughs> you know, you, Hawaii and Alaska, WebEx. Right, right. <laughs> Cool. Advisors, we have an Alaskan cruise. I'll be hosting for uh, seven days. So, so, so Rob, um, disability space. Yep. Um, not not specific to disability. How have you seen the insurance landscape evolve from your paradigm as a wholesaler? Oh my goodness! I mean, what changes have you noticed? Damn. What's become like, easier, harder, better? Like I, I don't think, I don't think cold calling is the ticket anymore. I think it's important. I think you should do it. To a certain extent, I wish I had one of those horns. You know, I, again, I've I've seen when I was first training in insurance, the people that I thought were the successful insurance people. Now, six years later, I'm like, no, it's it's not that guy. It's it's these guys, and so just kind of that perspective. So I don't know if that's what's changed in the last six years, but. For me, mentally, it's realizing like, okay, who it, who are the people getting things done and working with the right people, um, and it's it's never who you think it is. Like to me, usually the loudest talkers are performing the least. Um, so the quiet person in the room, I'm their number one fan. That's cool. That's awesome. I think that's what attracted me to my wife. She's super quiet. I'm always loud, and I was like, "Why is this person never talking?" Let's go see what she's got to. Let's go see what she doesn't want to say to me right so now. So my yeah, so right. my girlfriend's the exact same. She's super quiet, like hard to get her to say a word. That was one of the things that attracted me to her because, you know, like some girls, like you just like, oh my god, will you just stop talking? But now three or four years later, now she's become one of those constant talkers because you know we're so comfortable together, and I'm like, this was a trap. You really do talk. Job. You really do talk. She's just not to new people, but I love her to death. So. That's funny, man. So as like um, I don't know, almost like a public service announcement, right? Everyone's listening to this. You're in a space that's underappreciated until it's needed, right? Like when Absolutely. someone calls on the insurance, like all insurance, right? It's like the greatest thing ever that they had it. Why disability? Like, what is it about disability insurance? Like, why people should actually take a serious look to be like, is it? Because I'm prefacing, is that the right word? Prefacing this, mm-hmm. right? Because you guys insure some crazy stuff, right? Without naming people or things like that, they insure like body parts, right? Like the arm of an athlete or the leg of an athlete or the face of some model or, you know, things like that, which yep. is all like, glamorous and kind of cool and interesting to say that you do but for like the average person that listens to this do they need to look into insuring things for themselves too and like what's your opinion on that so kind of good question multiple layers to that one um what's funny is for lloyds of london the body part coverage is is always what people think about the reason that's the go-to it's a terrible insurance policy it makes no sense at all you can someone can insure their entire body usually for less than just ensuring that one body part. It's more just like a publicity stunt for the individual. Um, but because it's a publicity stunt, that's what's made it out into the public. Mm. Um, so it's it's really interesting to, to always hear that. Um, but man, they're technically just protecting themselves. Yeah, they're, they're just protecting themselves from un- being unable to perform, but they'll, they'll 
sort of market it to, hey, it's my hand that's, exactly. that's leaving this. Ex- exactly. So, I mean, like, for instance, one of our cool, like, out-of-the-world out of risk is uh, we insured a uh, pornography professional. Mm. We insured their member. He. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 He. <laughs> yeah, his, his member. His member. <laughs> right. Um, but, you know, and it got so much attention, so much media, but has very little value. He could have insured his whole his whole self so you're a financial planner matt <laughs> yeah people's advisor um matt longchino so <laughs> is what he's known as outside the studio to me there's so many things to a sound financial plan right yeah like yeah you have you know your your investments or your cash that's sitting there to invest get returns on and you have you know, you're trying to help people figure out their expenses, manage the expenses. What are part of those expenses? It's, it's where are you living? Uh, what are you driving? Or what's your mode of trans- transportation? Um, what insurance do you need on those things? And it's like, you have this huge pyramid for their financial plan, right? So like long-term stuff, short-term stuff. And it's like, I don't, I, for disability insurance, the one thing that's funding that entire pyramid is the income that they're earning, mm-hmm. right? No one makes a financial plan without being able to factor in new income. Right. So it's like, why would you not insure that one thing that's funding the whole pyramid? Mm-hmm. But yet you're insuring the house. Your house is worth what, five hundred, seven hundred thousand, right? Even if you're just fraction of the income you're making. If you're making a hundred grand a year, you're thirty years old. That's three and a half million dollars without a single raise before you retire, and you're not going to insure that. Yet you pay for homeowners insurance every year. Like it's it's just blasphemy. So, uh, to me, disability insurance, what I like to call income protection, is like one of the most fundamental pieces to a a sound financial plan, Uh and it always gets overlooked. So I'm out there to fix it. Yeah, I, I think that like the way I try to look at it with people is what do you want, right? What do you want to get to? Yep. Okay, that's that's the goal. And then how do we guarantee you're going to get there? Well, exactly. one is follow this plan all the way there. But if something happens to where you're no longer able to follow the plan, like you can't work anymore and bring a new income or you die, other people are still relying on that plan because it's not you alone. It's like me, my wife, my kids. Everyone's relying on all of our work together. If I'm out of the picture – they still want that dream we talked about. They still yeah. want to retire. They want to get there. So we need something to to cover it. Absolutely. Exactly. You know, it's like for what we do, my thought is always like, what if the heart attack doesn't do its job? If, if somebody passes away because of a heart attack, yes, the spouse, maybe children, they have to find a way to recover move on both emotionally, financially, professionally. But to me, what's worse is if the heart attack doesn't kill somebody. Now you have someone who's maybe paralyzed or or at least going through treatment, trying to recover. They're still a consumer in that family. Mm -hmm. So now you have the spouse who's trying to move on. You have the kids who you're still trying to take care of. Everyone's trying to advance emotionally, professionally, financially. And you still have that individual that was forced through that medical situation is still living. So they're needing to go to, to go to doctor's appointments. There's treatments. There's 
prescription, you know, um, uh, there's so many pieces to that puzzle. And sometimes for someone without disability insurance, I guarantee you there's been the thought that I wish that thing would have killed me because right now I'm suffering. I'm, I'm economically dead, but I'm still here to witness this thing com- fall completely apart. Way to look at it. It is, seriously. So I was hoping if I had a heart attack, I'd make it through. Shit, this guy's like, take my life. If you have disability insurance. <laughs> or just problem. get rid of it, yeah. <laughs> yeah. You're known as what, the, the disability guru, right? Yeah, I'm, I protected all areas. So then, like, there is no, like, well, what if this happens? Exactly. And I think that when you get rid of the what ifs, you truly get a chance to live free. Right. And everyone's, like goal is to is to ultimately live for freedom but they don't know that they're like locked to something right that like is temporarily buying them that feeling and when you get all insurance pieces in order you genuinely like i don't want to say you're careless but you're almost like hey i'm safe so if this happens yeah it sucks but my family's good if this happens and i get out of it i'm still good xyz yeah weird but true but there's there's an internal reward mechanism going on when you've protected yourself when you've when you've bought the right protection for you and your family, mm-hmm. you're like, yeah, I'm good. Like, if I get terrible news, especially from a doctor, like, it's going to be okay. Yeah, you're prepared mm-hmm. for that. Uh, all I have to do is physically overcome that, right. not financially. <coughs> so it's a huge step. So do you have any cool stories like, um, you know, the I think it's Farmers, the commercial. They're like, the dog started the car and drove it through the living room. We covered that one. You know, and then like there's random stories like that. They you guys insure such weird, yeah. huh? They've done a good job randomly. I mean, that commercial you, right? Yeah, you know what I'm talking about, though, right? And yeah. the guys like walking through the living room, beer and stuff like that. Yeah, or like a refrigerator falls through the roof, and it's mm-hmm. like this fell off of an airplane, or I don't know, random stuff. But do you guys have any stories that are like go to, like we insured this kind of stuff? Man, so it's that's always such a tough one to answer to and address, like because that that branding and there's so many channels that we can send that kind of branding out to like that's what we've been wanting to do is man how how can we share that with the public everything in the lloyd's world especially since we deal with like a lot of a-list people Mm -hmm. is super confidential Mm -hmm. so we we can't we can't share a word even a hint about who we insure who we protect or a, a claim that happened i'll i'll tell you we there we have paid claims on some pretty high level individuals that I know you were aware of when something happened and sure. it was in the news sure. and Lloyd's was behind that. that and there's, we can't do anything with that. So a lot of these, for example, athletes that are rookies, uh, coming out, um, that they're signing these big contracts. Um, is that, would that be like an ideal prospect just to say, I got to insure like my potential injury to where I'm still getting compensated for this year. Absolutely. Yeah. So, so any, for any athlete, any non-guaranteed income or like signing bonus is, is just at risk of them, you know, an ACL injury, like something minor, even, even for college athletes who don't have any monetary reward yet. Right. But let's say they're a junior in college that anyone knows about that anyone knows (laughs) about. Uh, let's say they're a junior in college. They still, you know, maybe for sure one year to play, maybe two, but that that person's stacked. They're crushing it, and, and they are NFL driven. Like that's that's where they're going. We we all know that. There's probably ten million dollars on the line within twelve to twenty four months. 
and for the next two years they have to go survive hits for 60 minutes at a time uh, 16 weeks out of the year plus practices and you're gonna tell me you're gonna put them through that torture test and hope that they still make it out at the end 24 months later willing to accept 10 million dollars so is that insurable? Can you insure someone without absolutely. an income yeah. like that? Absolutely. Yes, sir, so it's, absolutely. Yep. So you, you're basically insuring the anticipated income. Exactly. Yeah. I, I mean, I got some serious offline ideas we got to talk about. Let's do it. <laughs> let's do it. Um, yeah, there, there's a huge need there. You know, as, in fact, in the college market, a lot of colleges have finally been allowed to uh, sponsor those types of benefits and use it as a recruitment factor. So it's it's definitely a growing niche. So I, I want to ask you one more question before we get wrapped up here. You got three bracelets on your hand, mm. right? One says uh, 10x, I think, right? One is who's got my money, and one is uh, <laughs> don't who's got my money. Don't be a bitch. Yeah, I think right. Who's got my don't money. be a little don't bitch. Don't be a little don't bitch. So what do these three mean to you? One? It's a constant reminder. Reminder, like you know, it's it's funny being a wholesaler. You're you're you find an ideal target. It's not like an insurance agent. You find an ideal client and there's a transaction that takes place. Yes, you always keep in touch with them. You build a relationship with them. For a wholesaler to work with an agent, you constantly have to be bringing up new ideas. Who cares if they gave you one case? Now it's like, okay, how do I get them to do another case? So like follow-up is the key to wholesaling business. And it is, I would argue that's the hardest step in sales. Like anyone can do an initial outreach, try and get somebody's attention. If we fail, we fail, that's okay. But how about someone you've performed for that has a certain um, expectation of, of your presence mm -hmm. and you have to keep meeting that certain expectation. Uh, so for me, this is the reminder because there was a point in time when I'm like, I don't have anything new for my network. Like. At this point, I'm just calling them saying like, hey, it's Robert, uh, how are you? You know, how's your day going? That's not gonna cut it. So this was a reminder to always stay creative, to do not be a little bitch, to remember where does your financial, where do your financial goals lie? How do we get there? And what type of creativity is it gonna take to generate that? That's awesome. Really awesome, man. So Rob, mm. Words of wisdom, if you could tell yourself something to follow and abide by when you were first getting started, mm. stumbling through the mistakes and growing, what would those words be? Yep, definitely. Uh, I, I want to say that one of them would be to ask the question, who's got your money? But before that, you really need to get clear on your goals. And that's, that's not my suggestion. My suggestion is to, for someone to think about their goals and then probably five, 10 or 20 X that because that's really what you're going to need and really what it's going to take to get you to that initial goal in the first place. Um, that was a, a huge mental leap for myself. So that's what I would advise anyone. And then to uh, ask the hard question, who's who's got your money? How are you going to get there? Who's got your money, man? Robert Clark helping top producers protect the world's highest incomes. Check that's them out cool. there. Instagram, LinkedIn. He's international, man. Peterson International. Good looking out.